Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of The X Button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro, with me is the Heartless. Paul. Hey, everybody. How's How you going? doing, Paul? Finally, you know, I got, yeah, I got a new... Outside of context, that sounds really rude. Yeah. <laughs> but because we know the context, thank you. Yes, but I, I would have called you the Giant Heartless. Because I, okay. I, haven't, I haven't done a size joke for a while. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Um... Man, what a freaking week for news. Yes. Especially, <laughs> like, so many broke, like, within a small context. And we're recording early because yes. for some international listeners, happy Semana Santa slash Easter week where we get a long vacation, not just Good Friday. So I was like, we got to record early. And you have a bunch of stuff that you need to do, like, the day we usually record. So I was like, let's do it. You wanted to record the day we usually post, but I was like, let's just do it early. And we're sneaking it in. And yeah. Uh, I'm thinking I'm glad that we're actually knocking it out a little early, but uh, to anybody listening, my parents are moving and I need to take a bunch of furniture from them. And yeah. I already have <laughs> a lot of furniture I need to get out of my house. So it's going to be a bit of a stressful process, but... Um, Wait, you're moving from your house? No, my parents are technically okay. moving. Okay. Uh, They've already moved, but they uh, just sold their house. So now they have to pull all the stuff that's still in it out of it. And there is a lot of stuff that both I wanted to take and a lot of childhood things that yeah, I kind of I feel you. off taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and now they're like, all right, well, you got a week. And I'm like, gosh. Yes. <laughs> so Good thing um, your wife's back. It's not just going yeah, to be you doing it, right? <laughs> yeah, she's um, working on her office space. I'm working on mine. So we're kind of like tag teaming that process and we're getting some good progress going we're uh we're happy it's just tiring perfect yeah well i hope you have some fun moving that stuff but we can get this little little escape for a little bit early that early done in the week because this is the x button this is the uh x button podcast or gaming podcast that posts every wednesday now from 2 p.m onwards god willing available in the youtube channel escape media as well as most audio services around the world so think apple podcast spotify and the like you can find links in the RSS feed at anchor.fm slash escape-media. And if you enjoy our show, give us a like and subscribe. We're posting it a little later just so I can add some timestamps. I decided, yeah, let's put some timestamps into the into the show. So I want to like re-listen to the show and get them down. So I just need a little bit more time for that stuff. I think that will help so. anybody that really wants to listen to a specifically spicy take or something. That we exactly. Really it just, it just makes it easier, especially when you go to YouTube. It gives you the chapters as long as you put it in the description. Yeah. So it's easier to just click where you want to listen to something specific. So I want to get just a few because I have to re-listen to the show because I usually don't re- I just edit it and post it. I want to yeah. listen to it now and post it. So expect some timestamps going forward i used to do them and then i just got lazy but i'm actually gonna do it for your priorities were different yes (laughs) i I refuse to call you lazy because you do more work than any of us in that group (laughs) yes at the same time there's a tinge of laziness that can hit us like ah i don't have to listen to this i don't have i don't know if i'll have the time because i was thinking because posting it on the ams it was like oh i have to wake up and it's already alive so at least this gives me more time because I also do other stuff, so. But yeah, so Paul, enough of that preamble. What have you been playing? Which, some of this stuff we play together. And I think we have to jump straight into one of these. We do. You finally finished the Destiny 2 raid after a full year. I, um, well, wait a second. Didn't I do one the last week? Um, and now this is... I said others, full right? raid from beginning oh, to end, not segmented. Good point, actually, yeah. yeah. So... That is, um, that has been an experience, and my goodness, just the, 
the feeling of like camaraderie that you kind of build up over mm-hmm. um just like realizing that you're struggling on something and then your buddy's like hang on i got it and then they just jump in and save your life or whatever you're doing in the moment um and, and that just, they like, know oh, what gosh. to do that yes. you don't feel like uh, you're playing with people that don't get it or spending too much time teaching that just yep. drains you that's what uh, i always told you it was like you have not had the experience of just running with the people that know race yeah. don't usually take four to five hours like other previous times i have just ended in misery this yeah. church, we did it in 30 minutes mm-hmm. literally 30 minutes with people and that it knew was, uh, <laughs> it, it is honestly surprising that we were able to knock it out so quickly we were just sitting there and then by the end we were fighting the final boss and somebody was like yeah so i think we're at like under 45 minutes and i went what yep (laughs) (laughs) oh gosh um and like granted last wish took us a a little bit longer because we were learning a few other stuff yeah so there was like a process but the fact that vault glass went through so quickly was really nice especially after that being the specific raid that i had so much trouble on because that's the only one you played (laughs) the ultimate catharsis in doing what thousands upon thousands of destiny players have never been able to accomplish um getting the rng following just distilling it straight into my brain through that chest at the end of vault of glass and getting the vex mythoclast mm-hmm. on the second time i ever did vault of glass and in your first full completion because the last time you only jumped into the last encounter true so, so for first full completion actually getting vex mythoclast which to anybody listening in is one of the hardest uh exotics to get within the game because the um, the drop rates for that are just bugged yes. they simply are so um and then immediately after that we went through the last wish raid which was really fun um by the end of it i had this climactic moment unfortunately nobody else could could hear it but we had to spin using our supers and Mm. i played the beyblade theme song which is full of electric guitar (laughs) and it was really climactic and beautiful and then upon finishing that one i got the other really rare exotic yeah but to not um to not want to rain on your parade that one has been buffed so much that you actually always get in your second try. That's nice. Yeah, so... All right. No, like in the second chest that you open. Whether oh, it's okay. in the two chests you open within the encounter, or you do one chest and then do the raid and do the other one. Okay. So you basically well, then, just, yeah. just save yourself from having to do another Last Wish run. Well, so, that makes me feel a little less special, but I'll but take the it. The fact that you got RNG to get both 1K voices and Bex class in the same yeah. day that we both raided... I know. that. It's like, that that's was... like... Part of me is like, obviously I was legit salty that you got Vex because me and another of the one of our Sherpas, Firestorm, we yeah. both have run this raid many times and we haven't gotten it. And then another Sherpa, Spartan from our um, clan, he has gotten so many backs drop on him continuously. And he like loves really? just uh, parading them around. Like oh, it's no. uh, like, and, and because they're roommates, he proved like he saw, he was like, yeah, he actually did it because he was like, yeah. Because you can easily joke, you have the Destiny app, you can like transfer something in and be like, look, I got this, but no, he got a drop, so. Gosh. So yeah, but this was the moment I was waiting for you specifically because I, to me, Destiny comes together as a game through the raids. Yeah. After after everything, after everything is said and done, it's like the experience of going through a raid is unlike any other co-op game. 
in in, in any shooter. I, I understand a lot better now what you're saying or what you have been saying, where it's like that is the end all be all. That is why people keep gum coming back to the game because that cooperation and capacity for both growth personally and growth with like a group um, is unmatched since like all of the MMOs from days past. <clears throat> And just the stuff that you can do and knowing that your role is important and mm -hmm. if you were not there, none of this could have happened is really awesome because I'm like, man, I feel like I'm an average player. But the fact that like I was the only well, I was one of two Titans and I was the only one with a bubble. So like the fact that what I could put down was what was really helping us mm -hmm. was like made me feel really happy. And it yeah, was just it, a really great time. Yeah, it's, it's like legit co-op. It's like some people... Don't think about how much co-op is just you playing with someone and just chatting about life. Yeah. You, you, you remember how you saw like sometimes those E3 presentations of everyone being like, here's the demo for co-op. It's like, yeah. look, there's that enemy over there. Uh -huh. And everyone's like, no one does that when they play no. co-op. And that's true. Except in Destiny when you're doing a raid. It's sure. rare for like the Vault of Glass encounter. It's the like early, the, the early two encounters are the only ones that you can be chilling and just do it because they're pretty easy. But it's when you have to do call outs. That's when it gets serious. So, yeah. and, and that um, was just amazing. But then also we did uh, the legendary. Yeah, we beat uh, the legendary campaign name. separated, separately from. Which from each well, other. we did it very differently. You yes. were able to complete it solo, and I did it with two people. And uh, that that mission just sucks. Yeah, the last I, I did not enjoy that. Uh, but I'm I so did glad enjoy. you're here to see this. <laughs> How many times do you hear her say that a lot? Oh Too many times. Um, <laughs> well, fortunately, like, once I got everybody in, we, I think, beat that segment. Actually, no. So I played with, I think he was, like, he's got to be, like, Eastern European member of our clan mm -hmm. um, that normally isn't very on at all. And he happened to be on and was like, yeah, I'll help you out. And I, like, could not understand him very well at all because his <laughs> accent was so thick that I was like pantomiming or like I kind of understand his inflection so I think I understand what he's saying but uh, he got me through the first and second parts of that boss fight and it was at the end that like he didn't know what to do so we were struggling first on like how we thought we had to kill all three of the fake Savathuns mm -hmm. before it would pop but turns out you just have to kill one bring it to the center um so we yeah that like makes it quicker failing over and over again um and then by the end of it like he was uh doing his best but he just wasn't really uh doing it there but fortunately we had two other people later on that day uh join me and uh we we struggled with it for about four hours yeah that's insane mine took an um, hour but we we finally got it i think so the problem is that I think you or somebody else was telling me that if you have a full squad, it like beefs her up immensely. Yeah, yeah. like and... it, the DPS is like, it takes double the DPS that it would usually take if you, yeah. if you do it with someone. Like the only advantage of doing it with more people is that you get revives, but right. the game scales up because Bungie applied what they did with Halo Reach. That was the last time they did co-op that the more players you had in your team, the harder the game got. Because they didn't do scaling in Halo 3. So what that happens is that if you have the four full, four, a full team of four players, you would breathe through that campaign even on Legendary. Yeah. Because it didn't scale properly. So. Right. It was... Um, 
it was definitely a challenge for sure and i feel like i had some uh some thoughts about their choice of how fast she can do some of her moves um because we watched her do yeah the she spans move, yeah. And, and, and then the, immediately went into another one that mm -hmm. was like that should have a cooldown or something lady but that's um, the thing like it's meant for you to be wearing your glaive and use the shield of your glaive because it covers literally everything that she throws at you I've that was the key seen the shield do all that much and i've never really been able to mess with it long enough to like how long does it last so uh how useful is for it for the so shield to work you have to shoot it first you have to hit an enemy to build a shield if you start like blocking before shooting something like it doesn't work yes it's in the middle you, you see the reticle and it keeps full filling uh, so okay. you have to get at least two to three shots that hit the enemy and then that's when you can start um like using the shield and then it just drains with the reticle exactly and if Got you it. keep uh as long as you keep shooting the glaive even while you're in shield it will keep filling up that's that, that's the okay. one thing that that helped so me that's the it. yeah then. i know some um there's like a mod on there that lets it like when you are deflecting damage you do more damage or mm -hmm. something yeah um, you had that you also have suppressing glaive which is really good because you can hit like those stupid wizards that you have to kill like when you go around to get the the buff to yeah. kill sabathun then when you have suppressing glaive she they will start they will stop shooting at you because they're, they're suppressed so you just shoot them once you get class and they just start mailing them and then if you have the proper either boss spec or major spec both work it will just melt them quick. Hmm. So, okay. so but boss and major both work on yeah. the orange bars. Mm -hmm. Huh. Okay, that makes sense then. So I wasn't throwing that one away. I was like, gosh, is that why it sucks so much? Um, but yeah, so awesome. Uh, overall, that was just an awesome experience, and I yeah. And uh, with with our same rate team, with your friend Duchess, actually, that you yeah. a longtime friend of yours that um. I think I told him to listen to this podcast, so I wonder if when he mentioned that in our chat, I'm he was talking. About, he was talking about our podcast. Uh, we were doing the Bow of the Disciple raid yesterday. Yeah. And we got f an encounter far farther than when we both did it. Okay. When we were when, so when we had that Sharpa, the, um, the caretaker. That's what it was called. Yes. Yeah. Caretaker encounter, so easy. Super, super I, I had easy. a feeling because yeah. the only reason we didn't get it is because we ran out of time when we were doing it that way. Oh, absolutely. Time. It's like I did the ogre with uh, our friend Mike, the boy guns. He uh -huh. is also one that helped you with the uh, yeah, with the Sabbath and final mission. Yeah, we I did the ogre. You just have to like get close to the ogre for him to like do like a smash attack, and then that's when you, f you shoot in the face, and then someone has to hit him in the back. We got him so stunned that even a uh, Duchess and Spartan they were like, Man, you guys are doing stuff so well. It's like he's not even here yet so it's like it's a really cool raid the encounter that we are right now sucks my god it's like it's a mix of the shura she encounter and the first encounter from bao both together of like learning all the symbols but also having to rush through like three different rooms of a million ads and having to cleanse and reading symbols and having an artifact that you run left and right it's crazy but we're doing it today after we record this and i can't wait because we're rested we know what to do it's just about executing and yeah. they and your friend duchess has done this raid before he claims doing the final boss is not that bad we'll see and we if we will um, yes and if we're missing one you will be jumping in, yeah because so. um, i i can put some stuff aside and make sure that i can help yeah. out if somebody needs to leave or doesn't show up so paul 
you had an interesting experience going back to Horizon Forbidden West this week. I did. Week. Yeah, um, so. Which leads from that into my third thing, well, first listed. But anyway, yeah, so um, I tried to uh, play a little of Horizon Forbidden West, and I happened to pick, I guess, the wrong AI to go after. Mm -hmm. um, basically meaning for anybody that has not played Horizon, or Horizon Forbidden West, your idea is you need to um, sort of revitalize these AIs mm -hmm. that are in charge of terraforming the planet after this apocalypse before the game started. Um, you can choose which of these three to go after first. And what I thought was the lowest suggested level was the one you're supposed to go to because that's mm -hmm. usually the way it is. Um, well, I ended up picking the one that's the midway like exposition dump. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I run through, I, I start it up, and I'm like, all right, this is, uh, let's just kind of get into the flow of everything, running around, seeing a couple of cutscenes. And I get to this base, which is like a museum for like an old, um, like California flying fighter jet mm -hmm. squad or something, um, which is funny because like I remember in the first game, there was like a real life place for, because uh, it's in Utah, which mm -hmm. there's a, like a flight school that's there that literally exists and you can see the architecture it's, it's really so cool awesome. it's super cool that's like the coolest things about horizon getting to identify yeah. some real world stuff and how it would look like two thousand years later after so i post, don't post know um nevada or california nearly as well so i'm not sure if this is like a real existing place or not but anyway that kind of is the, the idea and you're going through but you have to like hit these audio logs of sorts mm -hmm. for the exhibits and each time you hear it it's like garbled you have no idea what it's saying anyway and the lady kind of says a couple things you say a couple things you have to walk to the next mm -hmm. one hit the button listen to it so i did that for like 15 minutes it felt just having to listen to all of it and it's required um and the last couple were optional or whatever and i had to go talk to like the chief and that was like a 30 minute plus thing because I sat there and I was just hearing on my about phone, the yes, hearing about the existence of the of this clan and yeah. Hatar, the guy that lost his arm in the uh, standoff yeah. that happened earlier in the game. So I had and, to talk to him, which I didn't even remember him from earlier. So I'm glad they said that he was there because I was like, gosh, mm -hmm. was he there? Um, I, I didn't use also, but also because I had been I was OCD in the game doing so much that was non-story stuff. And then when I go back, it's like, oh, right. He was there, right? Yeah. Um, and I was like, I don't remember him getting his arm ripped off. What's up? What? <laughs> anyway, so go through all that. I have to talk to him separately, the chief separately. And by the end, I was very much sharing Aloy's uh, frustration because she's like, I do not care. Right. Let me pass. <laughs> please and he's like ah but we must talk about the backstory of our clan and she's like good lord what if i do what you want will you let me in yeah and um i was it's like it's so funny you. then in a way they nailed it they kind of did and she's <laughs> just like, like her. so done with all these people talking about their grand mythology that they created from the AI, especially now that she knows like all the true backstory of it, where mm -hmm. she's like, yes, yes, the AIs of the gods, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's move it on, buddy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sharing that obviously, but then once that is done, you have to go to the next area, which in the process, I got my mount killed somehow mm -hmm. um, because it was like, oh, it's down. Okay, let me pick it up in a second. And then I kind of lost track in the middle of the fight. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, crap, it probably died by now. But you can't like call it again. Mm -hmm. um, I think you have to like recapture another. Yeah, you have to recapture a new one. So 
there was none nearby instead of like fast traveling away to another place and then coming back i was like i'll just run the rest of the way yeah, why didn't you do that because you probably have already run through so many fireplaces for you to like fast travel to another place where you can go get a robot see i wasn't 100 sure because i could not remember if that was what it was or if it was like a cooldown. i i do not remember so there's I was no like, there's no cooldown for fast travel you only have to have no, not fast travel uh the mount so it's yeah. like oh it died like maybe it'll come back after a little time if it's red it died if it's yeah. a, if it's red then it completely died so uh, that's what like i was trying to figure that out in my head as i kept running to the next place yeah you haven't like, played this not... game in forever so it makes sense no. where it's um, so I, I just didn't remember how the rules of the game really were because I was like, it could be a cooldown, but it could make me go back because like by the time I, I could have sworn in the first game, I've had him die and then like another one will show up. They they changed that from the first game because your okay. first one, like he could die, but then you can just walk, whistle and then you get another one. They changed that, that for this sense. one. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not 100% crazy then. That's good. Mm -hmm. So um, I had to run through all of that, did a lot of crazy platforming over a mountaintop, and it felt like um, there's a moment from Death Stranding where I'm like walking across the mountains or like the Fellowship of the Ring, and that was- He nails it, again, right? Yeah, he just nails like, it. Oh boy, I'm really high up now. Mm -hmm. And then I finally get to the place that I need to go, um, and the, oh, I didn't even tell you the, the exploit slash glitch that ruined me at first. Well, I told you, but not the mm -hmm. audience. Um, I was unable to continue the storyline because after all of that exhibit talking and the chieftain talking, the, the next lady I was supposed to speak to just walks into the background of the scene and is kind of pacing yeah. and just kind of looking off into the distance. Yeah. And I'm like, what is going on right now? And sure enough, it finishes and she'll just start following me around and there's no way to talk to her. So I'm just like, all right, I'm going to run over here. And she runs after me and she stands there. And I'm like, what are you doing? I was like, it's like a moment from Skyrim. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it. So I had to restart and I just yep. skipped through all the stuff. Uh -huh. And then I had to talk to her again. So it yep. just all of that lining up caused me to just give up and uh, go play Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. So we can talk about that later. But I know you have some more things to talk about Horizon first. I beat it. Yes, and not only and did I beat it, I platinumed it. Like I said, I would. Now, how was that? It was. I know you fan. said some. By the end, uh, it's front runner, isn't it? Yes. Right now, it's like as of this moment, having beat Horizon, this is my front runner for game of the year. The story of that game really, really clicked with me, and some of the final moments of that of that game is the closest I've gotten to a game giving me the suicide mission from Mass Effect Two. Yeah, as close because it does the great thing that it actually builds up the characters if you spend the time to build up your team, like with Aaron, Barl, and all the other characters that you're gonna meet. Like uh, the missing arm that he's gonna join you. Just spoilers, obviously. <laughs> so, <I figured. laughs> so yeah, it's like if you spend the time, like because the thing that I told you about this is that re remember this is not just an action game. This is a role-playing game for conversation. This vital part of the experience. So keep that in mind when you play it because. Obviously, you came in. You've been playing a lot of games that are very gameplay focused, and you just kind of jump in. Horizon yeah. is both a gameplay focused experience and a very narrative experience, where it's very important for you to like engage in those conversations because it just builds the world, it builds the yeah. story. So, but it requires a certain mind to be like, okay, I'm here to sometimes listen to the story because I once had 
I just kind of want to play, but then I did the story, and then it was that big tangent when you find Gaia, and she explains you everything, and it was like 1 a.m., and I was like, God damn, and there's a lot of it I want to read, and I had this thing where, this happens in Mass Effect, I go through all the dialogue, I don't skip, I listen to all of it, so... I, I used to be really good about that, and then some like adult switch flipped in me, and then I was like, I don't have the patience for this. However, if it's well written mm -hmm. and well performed, I'm fine. But and I feel it this feels is, like stilted dialogue, and, and then I'm like, oh, and I'll no. say this: when I try to replay Zero Dawn, yeah, that game was inconsistent with the character animations that the yes. uh, the character animations in the main story were, but when you were just talking with other people, it was very stilted that it didn't want me to really engage with the dialogue like I do here. This game almost overall, it's all well performed. From voice it acting is. to like to animation, it really sucks you in. I so. agree. Um, I think I remember saying that back when I was still really obsessed with Horizon, like those seven before, days yeah, before Elden Ring before came Elden, out. Yeah. Because I remember saying that I couldn't tell the difference between an actual cutscene and like just dialogue. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I would hit the button just out of curiosity because it's like, it's, all right, I read this mm -hmm. one, let me skip it. And I was like, oh, this is a cutscene. Wait a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and I wouldn't know because like the animations, it felt like a fully fleshed out and written cutscene. And um, it's still really surprising to me. So I just need to pick the right spot. I think, um, and then play more of the game, and then I can get back into the yeah. story. And like I mentioned to you, it's like you that that a uh, Aether uh, AI section yeah. is like the most talky part of the game because you have to go to two different tribes and then go back, yeah. like participate in a big event that they do. So it's like the most overlong section of the three AIs. The other two are much quicker. The final one is like in the middle between like how talky it is, but it also goes pretty quick. And those other two gives you the upgrades to more explore the world if you please like the poseidon one that's how you get the infinite um swimming yeah and, and that was a godsend for me because i had a couple upgrades that required me to go find some stuff from underwater but i couldn't because i have this way where i love maxing out all side content before i go into main I into main stuff and this Usually game sometimes yeah. yes and this game sometimes stonewalls you and it'll be like no just keep going the story it's like okay i'll keep doing it uh, but even then, like this game still indulged me in that I still did all enough side stuff. So by the time I roll credits, that's when I popped my platinum. And I posted some pictures in my Twitter about like some of the final sections, the aesthetic. Like, how would this? Because this is what I always say that I love about Horizon. That mix of a post post apocalypse that restarted the world, but with hints of the futuristic, like society that existed there before all the all went to hell and now seeing that mix like seeing your characters are more in what you would consider more primitive armament in that high-tech super wide blue like super clean aesthetic in that final section perfect like it, it was like i i appreciate that because one of my criticisms for zero dawn was that it felt it didn't feel like it was a post-apocalyptic sci-fi mm -hmm. it was just there were some cars here and there and some old buildings, but it was mostly very primitive style, mm -hmm. which granted you were right where once you got past Meridian, things kind of felt more medieval, but mm -hmm. like with a fantasy twist now, especially where Aloy herself is more decked out in some of that sci-fi garb and she's more willing to like hand that off to other people so that more of them are starting to get that sci-fi feel. They're getting more understanding of the world before them um is like a lot more it's I'm, more engrossing 
Yes, and I'm more forgiving of those primitive moments because now it's like you're fully from the perspective of the person who understands all of that and all of her close friends also understand it. So it's just the outsiders that are like still talking primitively and she's like, get your act together, guys. We are better than this. Yeah, it's like this is an Aloy that now knows better. She has earned the knowledge that this this wasn't how the world always was. And I'm glad that she's using her knowledge very regularly where she's not just like an idiot character Mm -hmm. like we have a very often sometimes yeah she's Um, not that naive character that's like if she now acts as someone that knows about the world thanks to her focus so that's what helps a lot like makes because i always say that like this siordan was a story about aloy him uh, the, the story about her figuring herself her place in this world figuring out that she may be like that savior character that she just completely rejects because it doesn't jive with how she's been treated the whole lot the, the whole time yeah. while also being a story about how did this world become this primitive place while still having futuristic robots and the answer to zero dawn that happens later in that game kind of brings that all together mm-hmm. however uh, forbidden west is not as personal a story but it helps build the world more Maybe that's why I like it so much more because we've kind of answered a lot of those questions of how it happened mm-hmm. and who is Aloy. Now it's we know Aloy, we know her little cast. Now let's fix the world. And mm-hmm. it's like, let's just go like full adventure now. And I think I really jive with that a lot more. Yeah. And I feel this story is going to like stick up with me more because I engage in so much of the world building that I don't like because. You, and obviously you have a bunch of play games you're you, we had to play also i was i said i was committing to getting this platinum because i got the platinum for zero dawn so that helped me engage with, with this game in a way that i don't know if it's gonna be a, the way you engage because i didn't just play for platinum i also stayed uh, until i upgraded all my armor that's not even a trophy like i was able to engage in this game systems without just being like i just want this for a trophy no i want this to see how strong this bow can get, how resistant this armor that looks like the Thunderjaw. I ripped it and I, I and I covered myself in Thunderjaw armor. Like it's like it's super cool sometimes some of the things you can find from this game. And reading that I also missed out on a few bows because of some decisions I made. So I was like, hmm. I hope they do they do what they did with Zero Dawn, that they do New Game Plus. Most Sony games have done this that they wait a few months and then they patch in New Game Plus. Yeah. I'm gonna wait because I would like to see some other stuff from some decisions i didn't make just on my just on my own accord but excellent game like i hope that once you get out of this humpy area that section of the game ends strong so keep keep going but then go to poseidon you need to see some visual this game is a visual feast i can't imagine another game like from a technical level delivering kind of like the visual like it looks like an expensive game obviously elden ring has a beauty to it that's more like artistic. This is more like in the technical, like the game that can make your 4K TV sing. And some of those areas really, really sing, so. Which reminds me, I uh, cleaned up some of my color grading for my TV. Mm-hmm. I There isn't like a specific HDR, but I had to go through a lot of really obscure ways to get to what I needed to. Yeah. And it is, very even like after i kind of understand this tv now it is so terribly done yeah so let me add to that so my tv has this thing where obviously if you don't play in game mode it's you feel latency right the thing is that the colors in game mode were not even close to what it's in vivid and a recent patch that the ps5 did apparently triggered the ps5 to enable something in my tv called instant game mode 
that I can now go to Vivid and have like more like quicker latency than before, but it's still game mode. It's still the perfect latency you need. But I was like, I don't understand. I'm like boosting only color in game mode. And it doesn't even look as vibrant as it looks in Vivid. But I yeah. want to keep playing in Vivid because even though it's responsive, I can still feel it's like it's not quite. I, I still feel there's like slight delay that for other people that don't know, it will be fine. But then there's a color management in my TV that I went granularly. It's like, do you want to edit the red, the green, the blue, the cyan, the magenta, the yellow? And I was like going back and forth be like okay i'm gonna edit this to make it look as close as possible for it to be vivid without me losing my my response and i finally did i spent way too much time doing that i it hdr it's a I it's was, a mess <laughs> i was on uh destiny and i was specifically like in in the world and my like the void was looking like a royal blue mm -hmm. and i yeah. was like this is just not right and it's like all washed out but somehow also oversaturated in places and i was like what's going on so i just i tilted it all yeah the uh and the, the throne world is a great place where you to like tilt all the colors to the right like get yep. a green so it's look got green. your reds it's got your greens and then whatever your character has on it as well um so i feel a lot more confident with mm -hmm. all of that on game mode now thank god but yeah so real quick paul uh how much more do you play with lego star wars i got through um part the entirety of force awakens mm -hmm. and all of the prequels done so um i worked through you were absolutely right about phantom menace like really struggling in that department but once it kind of kicked off through um attack of the clones which made me realize that i i still really enjoy attack of the clones in the end mm -hmm. um like as a movie take, i i want to say yeah um because if if we were to redo attack of the clones just humor me for a second um and like took away some of like the specific dialogue choices and kind of reshifted the priorities of the CG. Mm -hmm. um, each of the individual moments are really powerful. Yeah. You've got the moment of Anakin seeing his mother die in his arms. It is still powerful. You have that moment of him on the, uh, the sand bike flying mm -hmm. out and tattooing. You're like, I feel what I'm seeing, mm -hmm. <clears throat> which is not often in Star Wars media sometimes. Mm hmm. Um, I, I still love Obi-Wan's investigation of Jango Fett. That's excellent. Obi-Wan, Detective Obi-Wan is excellent. Oh. It is the reason why so many people have been wanting an Obi-Wan-centric stuff because episode two is the most, it's given us like a central Obi-Wan story. Yeah. So. And it just, it always makes me think about the stuff that Jedi Masters have to do of like these investigations and these figuring it out by also being a diplomat, but you have like an infinite trump card in your force and your lightsaber. But what happens when you hit somebody that's just as good as you without the force? And I was like really feeling that. Mm -hmm. um, and I also love how Obi-Wan always talks about how much he hates flying, but he's really good at yeah, it. it yeah. Um, so yeah, all that. And then even like the battle of Geonosis, once the clones show up, is just no, it's mm. excellent. It's like probably oh. the best single battle in the prequels because there are yeah. so many cool ones in Revenge of the Sith, but because there's so many, you don't have one that's like a big, yeah. big moment. And then uh, the, the Phantom Menace is like divided into four different planes, planes of action, and that's which, just... by the way, is like it makes me realize why, why this episode going through episode one in Lego Star Wars is weird because. That movie's weird. 
it's like that it's it like is. you think about those big moments but you don't think about when the they happen and a lot of it is and, and it's funny it's like these games it from what i've kept playing a little bit it's making sure that you hit all the big moments from the movies yeah. like they they they, they spur no spare to be like if you remember something that's being in a movie you're gonna play that but then that's when you realize it makes you think of Phantom Menace like yeah that's that movie is very backloaded for like yeah. the thing that people love about it and like certain parts of it like most of Tatooine most of the Gungan stuff I was like none of this needed to be here and like if they just kind of stretched out and paced better the last quarter of the movie which is what it felt like George Lucas wanted mm-hmm. to focus on I was like just put that in throughout the movie rather than mm-hmm. put that at the end all at once but anyway um so yeah i just got to do all of that revenge of the sith all that stuff so pulling away from the star wars as like a media piece and more as the game itself um i could see how there's like just that charm i could see how there's those moments of frustration um some like sketchy things that they decided to do of like merging different scenes or mm-hmm. deciding to um like all right we're just gonna give you this random character as a secondary character um the infamous problem of hey we're gonna give one of you if you're playing in co-op a really great climactic fight and the other of you is gonna walk around like c-3po with nothing to do (laughs) with the revenge of the sith battle (laughs) yeah um that's probably like the biggest offender of co-op um and making something for co-op especially with what Zach told me that in one of the later other episodes you actually can battle against your co-op partner so it's like why didn't you do it for the entire game then which doesn't even make sense after a while but like yeah that's that's a whole thing in itself um but as a single player package like ignoring that whole idea for co-op is like it's very enjoyable it is very enjoyable and i could see if I was even just like a little bit less of like the adult with responsibilities category of my life that I'm at, I could see myself spending so many hours just running through, collecting the studs and messing with all of that stuff, um, flying to the different planets, getting all the ships, all the characters. Because like even as a kid, that was what I used to love so much um, of just like who is this character, this weird, obscure person? I don't know, I wanna get him. And then I would just spend hours like collecting stuff and finding little yeah. secrets. And- is there something that has made me appreciate more the more I played of, and seen my brother play of Lego Star Wars, since I was focused on finishing Horizon, is it has enough of what makes Star Wars cool without feeling like this is the only Star Wars you need. I am so happy for this game to trigger something in kids to go oh, watch yeah. those movies. Even it's- the movies I don't like. In the yes. um, <laughs> and I mean, I haven't even gotten to Rise of Skywalker or um, The Last Jedi yet, but like playing through The Force Awakens made me realize that I just I do enjoy that movie, mm-hmm. even outside of like, yes, technically it's because they're like setting up things that you might want in the future that didn't pay off. But like even so in that moment, it's it a fun hits. movie. It's a it well acted, well made movie that they're shows you all. The- they have great chemistry together. It's great. It's enjoyable. It's Star Wars the way it's meant to be with like that blend of CG and like true stuff. And if you just turn your brain off, oh man, it's so good. Um, it's made me want to go back and see the movies in Disney Plus. So, and same. that's the greatest oh. compliment I can give it, especially since we have Obi Wan coming out later. So, 
I'm actually going through, uh, like I told you, I watched Phantom Menace right before I played the game, and then I was in the middle of playing like the opening parts of uh, Attack of the Clones. When you're with Padme? Uh, yeah, I I was still on actually the part of the uh, the speeder chase in Coruscant. I haven't even gotten mm -hmm. to all of that yet, but I am fully prepared to start skipping as I get bored. Mm -hmm. But just the moments individually that I really want to see were just they are still really good to this day so yeah that's um kind of what i wanted to say about all of that and yeah. i know we uh we talked for a minute on all of those things but oh yeah but it's like we time. love what we've been playing so paul we got a baby but i think we can get through this relatively but man <laughs> i can't wait to talk about most of these so paul press x oh i think i just lost you oh there we are press x to play <laughs> For some news. <laughs> All right, Paul. Early Sunday morning, we got a little tease of something that I wasn't expecting because I have forgotten that they were celebrating the 20th birthday of this series. So... Number one, if you thought you'd seen the last of Tetsuya Nomura for a little bit after his touch was all over Stranger of Paradise. By the way, we should call that touch the Nomura Stink. Thank you, Dustin Perman from Sacred Symbols. <laughs> Nomura Stink. Buckle up. During a 20th anniversary celebration of the series, Square Enix made a couple Kingdom Hearts announcements. Here they are. The first one is Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, a new mobile iOS entry focused on adventures inside the realm of Scala at Kalum the very abstract biome from the end of Kingdom Hearts 3. This offshoot, which in Kingdom Hearts tradition will be important to the overall plot of the series, is releasing a closed beta sometime in 2022. Keeping in the mobile front, Square Enix also announced the final chapter for their other Kingdom Hearts mobile offshoot, Kingdom Hearts Key Dark Road, is coming as a free update in August 2022. Do you ever play any of these mobile stuff? I actually played a little bit of it back in the day. Um, yeah. It's surprisingly fun. Yeah, I've heard. Um, if Especially it was this like Kingdom Hearts key one, that's like the big the circle. Yeah, or something like they that. Like, like rebuilt it similarly to how they did like Final Fantasy uh, 14, where they kind of like just redid it all again. Um, they started it off and the mobile stuff was really rudimentary, kind of frustrating. And then later on, they kind of like redid everything from that point. And then they added like a lot of stuff that was like actually talking about the Keyblade War and people that like died in the process of it. I was like, oh shoot, this is getting real. Um, not to mention putting very important Kingdom Hearts lore things in, which like I just had to drop off at a certain mm -hmm. point because it takes, it becomes a job because yeah. you have like a certain <laughs> amount of energy and it's very like mobile game, play this amount each day. And I was like, I can't just keep putting this money. Their in, obsession and making everything kingdom hearts related like important it's hilarious it's tiring so, that's for sure but oh yeah. i mean at the same time it's like once again if you turn your brain off it's really enjoyable in the right ways and it hits that perfect blend of like kid-like optimism with like teenager edginess mm -hmm. that really hits the right spots in me mm -hmm. um even to this day and just the aesthetic is wonderful so like yeah have you ever tried explaining kingdom hearts to elizabeth or she doesn't even know i think she knows like a very very basic idea of it and i think all i said was uh you are a 
anime boy with a key for a sword and you work with Donald and Goofy to go to Disney World and you save the world. And she was like, awesome. <laughs> if only it was that simple <laughs> to explain. Like, if when the you break speculated. it down, that's... That's the first game. The, idea the first, the it, first yeah. game is literally that. So yeah. it's just after so the, that. <laughs> it gets... That it gets a little, a little weird. I, you can also add the and then shenanigans ensue right at the the end of that statement. Show uh, find the thirty minute like explanation of all the games to, to uh, play like Kingdom Hearts three. I watched that thing and I felt like that meme of the skeleton in the in in the uh, chair. After receiving something oh. like a massive shock, because that's how I felt like absorbing all of that back in 2018, where I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna play these. <laughs> it's too yeah. much. But yeah, well, it's like uh. that was just the mobile stuff. The important one, number two, Square Enix also officially announced the existence of Kingdom Hearts 4. By the way, whose existence was hinted at in the massive Nvidia leak from last year. I've been hearing about this and how we all talked of about the it. Ones we talked it. about it in the show. We read the games. Yeah. Um... <laughs> so, I'm kind of shocked that all of them have been true as well, because a lot of people are very excited because one of the other things mentioned in the NVIDIA leak was Final Fantasy IX Remake. Yeah. Oh, and many um, other things. Street Fighter VI was also I know, there. I was nuts. So I, I didn't want to like go too much into that, but I was just, I thought it was interesting that I was like, oh, shoot, this has all been real. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so continuing with that, the new game was announced with in-game footage showing the new look for protagonist Sora, as well as the new art direction they're aiming for the new game. The trailer showcased Sora battling a giant heartless, you, in a new city called the Quadratum, uh, or Quadratum, I don't know, with other glimpses including the return of Donald and Goofy as Sora's companions, as well as tiny hints at potential places the game will take place, including the Underworld and potentially a Star Wars world. Other details include this game being the start of the Lost Master Arc Saga, which was a side plot hinted in the movie included in the Kingdom Hearts 2.8 collection, which also ties to what Maleficent was pursuing in her open-ended threat from Kingdom Hearts 3. Can you just like pause for a second and think about the bat crap insanity yeah. you just said for that last <laughs> part of that sentence? Yeah, that's Kingdom Hearts in a nutshell. Goodness. Anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah, the game is also being planned to be made in Unreal Engine 5, continuing Square Enix's continued use of Epic technology after they used Unreal Engine 4 for Kingdom Hearts 3 and Final Fantasy 7 Remake. No release window was announced, so expect the game to come out sometime this decade. I'm shocked Ooh. we're getting Kingdom Hearts 4 this quick, because think about when we got Kingdom Hearts 2, then we had to go through birth by birth by sleep then yeah. dream drop distance and then all the collections and then them adding extra stuff in the 1.5 and 2.5 collection then them doing the 2.8 collection to add the extra epilogue for birth by sleep that then would connect to kingdom hearts 3 but then also giving you that movie that shows you about the lost masters that then it's just barely hinted at because you're seeing okay maleficent is in this game but what the hell is she doing is she also pursuing the thing that we're doing with with samness and the other 13 things i don't remember yeah people whenever you hear about kingdom hearts this is how it feels like you yeah. feel like you want to commit someone into an asylum when you hear explanation of heartless <laughs> the uh, organization 13 the seons the uh the roxas the half Soros, <laughs> and it's all part of this oh it is um it is a lot that's for sure but um for anybody that uh didn't know i guess I wanted to explain and sort of clarify because some people have been criticizing both the art direction and mm -hmm. some of the uh, choices that they've made for this next game. Um, 
gosh it feels so difficult to just wrap my head around all of this still because yeah. i'm still <laughs> reeling from all of that anyway um so, so paul Sora before looks... you continue like it's like kingdom <laughs> yeah. hearts 2 is your favorite game right it is one of if not the best game for me yeah to go back to to this day so people um, think about his state of mind as he unwraps this so continue <laughs> yeah so um <sighs> Gosh, people had these thoughts at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3, because for anybody that doesn't know, spoilers for Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, Sora finally finishes kind of all of the fighting during that time, and in the process kind of gives his soul up and disappears. To save um, his love, Kyrie. Yeah, to save all of that in the, the my friends are my power and all that good stuff. And at the end of, I think, the, the master mode, critical mode, whatever it's called, whenever you beat it, Sora wakes up and Riku wake up in Shibuya, Japan, like a real place in Japan. Mm -hmm. uh, however, changing some of the addresses just slightly, which lines up with one of their other series called The World Ends With You. Mm -hmm. um, which is an afterlife sort of thing, right? That's yes. What, that's what um, it is? Yeah. I don't fully know too much about it. However, I know kind of that much where it's like, all right, they're kind of in some sort of purgatory. Uh, anime lost. <laughs> the game is cheap right now. If you want to try it. The first one or the new one? The, the World Ends With You that they put out for PS4. The, I think that's the second one then. Because no, the it's original a remake of the original one. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I got what you're saying then. Man, I might, but it's apparently a slog to get through because it's a lot of dialogue. Hey, so remember, like, we have nothing to buy, so just throwing it out there. So, maybe yeah. so. We'll we'll yeah. see if we cross that uh, bridge. But however, I will say the aesthetic for that game is peak. Mm -hmm. And of course, also the World's Ends with you characters showed up in Dream Drop Distance mm -hmm. um, because they were a part of the whole Dream World situation that was going on. Anyway, so that's already been established. That's probably going to be a thing. There's been a lot of speculation throughout Kingdom Hearts 3 because a lot of very key characters who are from the Final Fantasy series were completely not in, in the any game. of this at all uh, for Kingdom Hearts 3. And it focused exclusively on like Pixar and Disney movies. Which, which they uh, rectified with the DLC. That's true, but they only showed up for like 10 seconds, didn't they? Yeah, but, they, but it was showing Sid, uh, the guy from Final Fantasy VIII and Aerith. So. Um, that's true. So, they oddly enough, all of them except for uh, Leon are seven, technically. Mm -hmm. And then, like, first, um, the first game's characters were from 10. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, anyway. So there's a lot of that going on. So the idea being that they've kind of saved a lot of those real world-ish worlds for this next game, which includes as what a lot of people have been speculating based on screenshots from the trailer might include Star Wars. And Endor. Um, and Endor specifically, because there's a forest, a very realistic looking forest, and in the very corner looked like a very distinct metal foot, which is part of the ATSTs. Which is like, there's no other thing that looks like that. So it's clearly they very an specifically put that in there. So unless somebody knows something in the uh, the trailers that just mess with people, that was purposely put there. So, yes. um, that has me very curious because at first I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to get Star Wars 
because those two teams are very different and it's very difficult to get that kind of crossover. Yeah. Apparently that's to why... me, them, uh, the way they did Pirates of the Caribbean on Kingdom Hearts 3 and based on what Unreal Engine can do as a technology and how they're evolving and moving into Kingdom Hearts, in, into this one. Yeah. Unreal Engine 5, I feel, is going to give them kind of like the art style and the power to try to recreate the more live action side of Disney. That is not just Disney. Star yeah. Wars, Marvel. Possibly. Yes, uh... Um, and anything else that they've got under their category, which by this point, Disney owns just about everything. So yeah, they uh, own your mom. They own your dad. They own just about every, I, literally all those people that are Disney fans to yeah. this day. <laughs> they basically own your parents, guys. Yes. Here's what I also find funny, because I don't know if you notice this, because, or how much you remember from the DLC that if you complete all the boss, the super hard boss fights of that Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC, I mentioned this when we did that review yeah. of that thing way back before the pandemic, mm -hmm. you fight Josora at the end. And if you lose I against Josora, the end of that DLC is literally a recreation of the Final Fantasy Versus 13 trailer of the guy that looks like Noctis that's in the car. Well, isn't that the one? Oh, I know what you're like talking the, the about. The original yeah, yeah. versus 13 of yeah, Noctis yeah. being in the car before he goes to like the stairs and fights everything. Yeah. He literally Gosh, recreated I love that. that. Trailer. Yeah, it was excellent. <laughs> the idea of what <laughs> that game could have been had it not taken forever. Ugh. And uh, they recreated that same music from the car, by the way. I went back and looked. It was like, wow. So it's like, it feels like Nomura, it's still salty that Final Fantasy he versus 13 has ne that. never got made. That he's making it a Kingdom Hearts 4. There is literally the kind of movement you see from Sora in the in this. It's very versus 13. Yeah. So he's like insistent that he's he really gonna make that game. that game. And he's like, by God, I will create a Kingdom Hearts day game that will make my fan fiction a reality. And you know what? I gotta like respect his persistence because ever since that kind of started falling apart, he's been trying to put it into all of his other games. Mm -hmm just to like get that to happen because just think about it so it's like how disruptive final fantasy versus 13 just was for literally everyone that's a game that was announced in e3 2006 next to final fantasy 13 yep. and the p that, that was obviously a problem of funny enough these games were ps3 games we know about what happened with the ps3 and the luminous tech that they were using that then that game almost even it was said to have been canceled that was said like in like July 2012 that Final Fantasy Versus 13 was not happening anymore. And then on E3 2013, that's when they were, they were like, no, Final Fantasy 13 Versus 13 is still happening. It's just now we're being more ambitious. Now this is just not an offshoot. This is a mainline entry. It's Final Fantasy 15. And if you see that original uh, Final Fantasy 15 trailer from E3 2013, I remember it so you well. You see a lot of that like the, the way like the camera flows and how your character moves through the world like that kind of dynamicism that is not in the games you see some of that here yeah. and on top of that that's when they announced kingdom hearts 3 also kingdom hearts 3 was put on hold because of nomura wanting to do versus 13 and just for five years just effing around and not getting it done and then having to give it to hayume tabara and then he having to go do Kingdom Hearts anyway. No, and on um, top of that, he was going to do Kingdom Hearts 3. And then Square was like, you are the director of Final Fantasy VII Remake 2. So it's like, they just keep getting That was a whole thing. You could talk for hours about that whole process of like them forcing him to keep giving up his projects mm -hmm. 
to do something else that they no, want my fa- done. Because my favorite of that story is that apparently when it, they, the board of directors for Square, they do the presentations about their projects, they put uh, they put that Tetsuya Nomura was the director of Final Fantasy VII Remake without telling him. Oh, that's right. Because he was like, <laughs> wait a minute, they what? They what? Yeah. So that's why then if they gave it to CyberConnect, the guys that did .hack, that those RPGs, but the game wasn't just coming together, so Square just yanked it, and, and because they were like, when, when, when Nomura was like, I'm working on Kingdom Hearts 3, I can do two at the same time. So they were like, okay, you're gonna oversee the project, CyberConnect's gonna do it, but they're like, CyberConnect's not doing a great job. So in 2018, they yanked that project out from them, yeah. and when Kingdom Hearts 3 was finally like done around 2018, it was in polishing phase. That's when Nomura was able to finally fully transition over to do remake. They got the thing done in two years. And by that time, they had already had moved to Unreal Engine 4. So think about that. That is like, they now yeah. they have this technology that they know how to work with. So maybe this new game is not going to take that long. I mean, and that's the thing, like, no more I just came off of doing whatever he did in Stranger of Paradise. They said he just did the concept and the character design. That game has that stink of Nomura all over that game. The constant reuse of a very specific word in Kingdom Hearts is darkness and this one is chaos and that you can't tell me that it's not a Nomura joint at that point so it's like what else is he I got working other than maybe remake 2 maybe Final Fantasy remake 2 is what he's currently working on because they said they started working immediately after remake 1 was done because they wanted to complete that story quick so 2025? Do we know if it's um, just for the Final Fantasy remake? Do you think that that is how many games do you think that's going to be? Out of curiosity, you think it's just going to be three or based on how they are talking about it, it feels like maybe it will cap at part three, depending on how much they do in part two. The problem was that remember Final Fantasy seven is such an expensive game. Midgar, which was a 35 hours thing in this one, is such a tiny part of what Final Fantasy VII actually becomes. But granted, Midgar, I feel, was already underdeveloped in that original game. They just couldn't put that kind of effort into it, Mm -hmm. but it felt huge. And then I was like, after that, what is left in the game besides like because it was like a wasteland practically mm-hmm. and after, then like individual little places mm-hmm. so i was like well shoot they're gonna have to really either build out this empty world or make everything that happens in that next chapter like way more condensed and the big question is like they set a standard it was like they set a high standard with what they did with midgar Very how high. they how they made a full ass game out of a five hour section from the original game yeah and with high quality and everything obviously they had, there was pop-in issues that were inherent of unreal engine remember when you were in the ceiling and then you saw some far away things that had no textures load at all and yep. cloud's door was literally without textures that was fixed in the ps5 version but it's like it that game had some technical jank to it despite its high production value it really is i really want to see if they're gonna commit at keeping that high standard throughout everything because they made that decision. They were the ones that, we just don't want to do a visual remake. We're remaking this stuff. And obviously they- They remade it, my gosh. <laughs> yes. They, they took the name literally, like they took the remake name literally to the point that now some fans are like nervous that they're going to change stuff based on where that story actually went. At Man, the end of- that, the discussions that were caused out of that, like creating 
spoilers possibly for Final Fantasy VII Remake, but the possibility of an alternate timeline mm-hmm. um, that they are creating out of the changes they're making to the original plot um, has, gosh, it had me in a vice grip for a little while of people making like questions and like video essays on what could happen now versus what did happen and as somebody who never really finished the original yeah, um, yeah. i was like oh my goodness this is happens. crazy yes. i can only imagine somebody i'll say like it's, it think about it as like the monkey's paw scenario it's like yeah obviously if this has just been a remake like as is people already know about what happens there's some people that like the sanctity of keeping a story at as it was just giving it that facelift for it to be experienced for new generations yeah. square enix took the extra mile of being like now now we're george lucasing this we're retweaking because we want you to feel like you can still be surprised about what happens so i i see that's where you get into such a questionable yeah it's category. like a 50 50 that's what's a monkey's ball i mean if it's done right yeah but then also if you're just making changes for the sake of making changes then you're going to make a lot of people really mad so yeah so we'll, throwing uh, it out there does the big death still happen that's that's the that's biggest whatever that, that's what everything. everyone yeah and i it's gosh if all I can think is, is based on your choices, it's going to change or it'll stay the same because whatever they choose is going to make a very large statement on how they view the philosophy of that game mm-hmm. and the philosophy they created from the first remake of can you really fight fate or is it always going to get one over on you? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be the real question we're going to see. Yeah. Um, anyway, we talked briefly about Final Fantasy instead of actually Kingdom exactly. Hearts. Exactly. So. Yeah, it's a Kingdom Hearts 4. We don't know much. That's the thing. There's not much we can say. It's just so funny that it seems like Nomura is going to give us his Final Fantasy versus 13 to hell or high water, even if it's not here's, called that. Here's a good question. Um, they said that it was in engine for that gameplay segment, but do you think that's actually gameplay or do you think that's like they, cyberpunk style? No, they did that for Kingdom Hearts 3. They literally recreated how they originally revealed that game. So True. Okay, so you think it's more actual gameplay um, put in there? I believe it. Well, you think about it because I immediately got flashbacks to when final fantasy 15 was made and that had gameplay yeah and we didn't see any of that yeah because Um, that that game's tortured development yeah so i i guess maybe part of that was my trauma kind of coming at me but then i was like oh is this actually real or is this just like they're making like fake gameplay for us to get hyped um but it it looked real enough that i was like i could see this especially now with like their unreal engine 5 that Mm -hmm. city being super realistic um it looked a little rough at times yeah because um, it was there's... made on a real engine 4 they and they revealed that yeah. because of what i was telling you that some people were specking what they're gonna move over yeah. when they have the full I mean, set that they have nobody now. had shadows mm-hmm. um sora had a very uh dopey Fussy. face um very thick lips all of a sudden yeah but, like, um, unreal engine 4 has this blurriness in yeah. resolution and that, that you can see in most games that are that are on that tech with the exception of games that had that tech that now run on ps5 and xbox series x that have more power to them yeah even the matrix demo has like incredible high level detail but then also some low-res stuff so that's just probably inherent to this engine but 
I I'm just very curious. I love the changes that they made. Um, I did. I realized that I said I was going to talk about the art direction change, and then we never did. So let me say that real quick, and yeah. we can move on. <laughs> um, the reason I think, along with many others that are theorizing that he looks like this, is because he's specifically in this kind of world, and his uh, um, his appearance. There we go. Is changing to match the realistic nature of it, but that is not the overall look of the entire game and you can and you can infer that just look at the moment where they show you donald and goofy exactly that's what a lot of people are saying where they look almost identical with maybe a little bit more washed outness than their little segment as opposed to sora looking completely different and we're also thinking like maybe he's, he's looking like this now and the ending like cutscene that showed him and Riku in the new world. And I mentioned that canon. look what they did with the Pirates of the Caribbean world in three. They are still changed. A little bit, but he was mostly the same. It was just like they washed out the colors and they kind of changed a little bit of the details. Um, but overall, it was still. I don't know. I still think it's kind of the same for that. Um, but this is like a very different. Like they're sh they're changing proportions. The intent started there now we're seeing the realization of their intent of putting Sora in a live action thing I'm wondering if they just felt like they had to because the Pirates of the Caribbean world was like one of the most popular mm -hmm. and they were like well let's just put that back in there and if and you remember in Kingdom Hearts 2 they switched the art style of those movies to try to fit into how oh. it looks up is I mean they reverse? didn't really change too much for Sora no but they changed the Pirates world not not Sora I mean, they had to give them all like crossbows instead of guns and stuff. That mm -hmm. was that was really funny. But uh, that bar. Uh, oh, my gosh. I almost call him Barbados. Um, bar <laughs> what is his name? The, the villain from Pirates of the Caribbean one. Uh, the Davy Jones or uh, Barbosa. Barbosa. Good Lord. I was trying to come up with every word for the, for the B. Anyway, that yeah, fight was really great. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff that they did. But all this at the same time, there's like so much creativity coming out of that. And that's one of the many reasons why Kingdom Hearts 2 is just so good, because there's so much creativity thrown in there, except the Little Mermaid world. You heard it here first. The it's world just, sucks, uh, it, it, especially in 2. It's just a mini game. And it's the retelling of what happened already, too. So it's mm -hmm. like, what is the point, guys? Why did you do this yeah, to us? Everyone anyway. hated the Little Mermaid world and won, so it makes sense. Yeah, Water levels just suck. But yeah, Paul, will you replay Kingdom Hearts in the lead up to this one? I don't I think, think I'm going to play all of it. Um, at the most, I, I still kind of need to play through replay uh, Birth by Sleep because I never finished Aqua's storyline and I never even touched Ventus's. Because then you haven't finished that game. You have to finish it basically. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I played through Terra's, which apparently was the hardest, and I had so much trouble at the end that I didn't want to keep playing the other characters. And it wasn't until the remake that I played like through half of Aqua's, and like I know what happens, mm -hmm. but I was like, it's so much to play through to get to that that I like didn't want to touch it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I had to do all that stuff. Um, if they had a playable version of three five eight over two days, I'd play that, but they won't because they're cowards. Yep. They won't put one of the best Kingdom Hearts games on there. You heard it here. Um, yeah, they did put the story. They uh, <laughs> story's like the weakest part of it, honestly. <laughs> it's really fun. It's grounded. It feels like Kingdom Hearts 1, but they just gosh, anyway. Um 
so yeah all that and then i mean i'd play through kingdom hearts 3 again because it's been a minute and i feel like i didn't give it like a solid yeah i only played it once yeah i I played that and then separately i played through remind dlc whenever that happened and it was like really discounted uh, discounted disconnected and i didn't like it but now i'm like if i play through it all again i will say it's still that dlc is still not great it's like it wasn't worth their it's only worth it if they heavily discounted but gosh they made us 40 bucks out of that i mean i already own it so whatever but gosh um I'll, I'll appre- it, I, I will always appreciate that they recreated the Metal Gear Solid 4 microwave scene with Mickey. So that's the one thing I'll appreciate of what they had. <laughs> <laughs> I just pictured Mickey Mouse like, fighting Donald Duck on top of a Metal Gear. Oh, anyway. Yeah. Yes. So there's. That's gosh, the Kingdom Hearts, Hearts talk so for today. Man, we can talk to you about Kingdom Hearts forever because that I, series is like. It demands that kind of conversation. It also fills my heart and fills my soul. The people that disdain the series. So, and I was seeing a lot of that snark come back, come back alive. Yeah. And I was like, yes, feed me because it's a it's a series that I know the things that is like it's ridiculous about it. I will always champion it for how overtly positive of a series it is, despite it dealing really with is. so many heavy themes of loss. Also, so. <laughs> But it's all cheery. But now we're going into we're going into not not cheery cheery stuff. Good news still. Yes, not number two. Have you been wanting a new Max Payne made for this current generation of consoles, Paul? You know it. You're in luck, sort of. Remedy Entertainment announced they're partnering once again with longtime partner Rockstar Games to do a ground-up remake of the original Max Payne and Max Payne 2: The Fall of Max Payne. However, Remedy intends on combining both games into a single new remake using their proprietary Northlight engine, which powered recent games like Quantum Break and Control, and will be exclusive to the Xbox Series X and S, PS5, and PC, so it's a current-gen game. Rockstar will be financing the project, which Remedy says it's in line with what you can expect from a typical modern AAA production. So, if you remember how Control looked, it's a, it's a legit, it's, it's legit. How they're gonna be a get. looker, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So the announcement also emphasizes the remake is in the concept development stage still, so don't expect to see anything of it anytime soon. This is the fifth, I repeat this, the fifth new project for Remedy in a string of announced projects, which include Control 2, a four-player co-op control spin-off, Alan Wake 2, and a free-to-play co-op game named Vanguard funded by Tencent. And let's not forget they just did the campaign for Crossfire X, which was a trash fire. Um, you had me until like the the last couple sentences, and yeah. then I realized, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll say this: like oh. I don't hundred percent blame them for the for the Crossfire X fiasco because it was like something that was literally thrown at them. I was like, please do something for this because we want to grab this in the Xbox side. They just wanted to grab something that was big and like. North in the Koreas because Crossfire X is like a very popular shooter worldwide that I didn't know about. Yeah. Garbage, by the way. Garbage. <laughs> but people love it. And yeah. uh, they made a campaign. They made a one, one hour and a 30 minute campaign for that. Oh my gosh. And that was free on Game Pass eventually because it didn't launch immediately on Game Pass because of a bug. But it was just 10 bucks just to give you an idea of how little they thought. They got the bag and run. I like Control a lot. Quantum Break, I like until the end. The end sucks. Um, Alan, um, Alan Wake is 
cool. I have never finished it though. So it's on sale. I have it. I have it. I bought. I bought the remake. I bought the remake, even though that I had just, the backwards I knew compatible. you did, yeah. but I was like, should I? And then I was like, mm, I don't know. It's good. That's it. I like Alan Wake. I just never. I'm been now that I'm kind of like in this in between, and this is the perfect time because we don't have many games coming out right now to yeah. chip away at that backlog. So, and I don't want, and I just devour an open world game. I try to go back to Elden and be like, yeah, I'm just chipping away at this, but I'm not gonna commit yet. I still need to build that motivation. That could be a good one for me to go back to. But yeah, it's like they have all these games announced, but I fear of Remedy becoming platinum. Platinum yeah. at a certain point they were starting to in so many games. The Korra game, the Transformers game, Near Automata, they were doing Scalebound, they uh, eventually they made their way to Babylon's Fall. And we know how that turned out. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game. And we were getting a string of this is good. Oh shoot, this is bad. Oh, this is good again. Holy crap, this is garbage. Oh my god, this got cancelled. Can they yeah, do all these um... projects? Are they big enough? Is Remedy? It's on Finland, is I think. Yeah, it's an European studio. And just think about it. The first Alan Wake took them seven years to make. Seven years. And because they started working on that after they finished work on Max Payne 2. And after Alan Wake 2, they took a break. They did the American Nightmare DLC that took them two years. And then they started work on Quantum Break that took them four years. Then Control from Quantum Break to Control took them three. Control was very well received. Quantum Break, not so much. And I really like Control. Especially now that you can play it on a machine that can run it. It's even better. Yeah. So, and I still enjoy it even at 10 frames a second on PS4 back in 2019 when we played it. I famously, like, my opinion of Control just, like, slowly pitched itself off of a cliff after a while. Um, and I hate that that was the case because it was kind of the same problem that I had with Horizon Zero Dawn where it was like a game that I know is good why do I not like it um, and it just that happened for the whole time throughout Control where there's parts of it that I really loved and parts of it that I was like why is this a thing and then there were problems that for whatever reason seemed to tick like a specific box that just really would upset me like the map for instance which no, I, I realized I was is gonna now say a very like, important thing yeah the um, controls map sucks and you need to have good directional, like a sense of direction while you're in the game to understand that map. You have in many times have made it clear you have horrible sense of direction when it comes to yeah. games. So that game was not like the, the way they made uh, moving through that world. It's mm -hmm. not for it was not for you. So obviously you had more of a trouble than I did. Um, so all that is to say that I respect everything with control and I respect a lot of their efforts into this i want to say that they're excuse me um i want to be a little more optimistic and say that they're pacing themselves based on the importance of the project so like you can look at this list of saying all right max Payne, max Payne 2 remakes you've got but that's all together probably, they're one remember they're right that's yeah, what they're... i'm saying like that's that's one mm -hmm. um control 2 that's probably high on there priority list four player co-op control spin-off that sounds really low mm -hmm. um alan wake 2 probably getting back up to that point and a free-to-play co-op game named vanguard funded by 10 cents sounds so low um and just quality so it's like 
I can see them doing the continued process of this is good, this is bad, this mm -hmm. is good, this is bad, but also like, hey, we're kind of forced to do some of these and we really want to do some of these others. So I can totally see them putting a large amount of effort into those other projects that they actually prioritize. Yeah. Especially the Tencent one, I can see it being, especially with based on how they treated the campaign that they just gave to yeah. Crossfire. Just as the thing that here it is, they paid for it. Yeah. How it's it like because that's, the, that's what people don't realize about the free-to-play co-op style games is that they can be low. It's, as long as it's not a live service, you can kind of do it quick and just put it there and have it. Yeah. Um, so that's what I kind of think is going to be the case for that. But I mean, Remedy is like Max Payne is their source, and mm -hmm. I feel like there's still a lot of love from the developers which are largely if i'm not mistaken still the same people that worked on it yeah sam lake and He's, created it so they, the still, guy, they clearly lake, have the passion the thing about it this way sam lake who's the writer for many of uh, literally all the games that remedy has made yeah he put his face in max Payne. yeah he's like, he, uh, he is the, the face, face of max, of max Payne Payne in, in the originals so. uh, which is so funny to think um because it's like cell shaded pictures that mm -hmm. people took of him um and they, they just kind of like put a filter and somebody kind of painted over it to make it into like that comic style and it's so funny because i was and like why does that, he look so different back then they were known as the kings of these guys know gunplay and not only do they, they know do. gunplay they perfected bullet time the thing that was only popular in matrix and made it they made it a thing in video games so yeah. when it comes to like shooting They've always been really good at that. Even like most of, most of their games are basically third-person shooters. Uh, Quantum Break was like the loosest their shooting has felt, but because they were always it was them also dealing with powers that then eventually they mastered with Control. And yeah. Control, above all else, is a really fun shooter. Mm -hmm. I feel it has really great mechanics. So I agree, and I mean, look at it with Alan Wake, with um, Max Payne, with Quantum Break, with Control. Um, it's they're all that same feel and just getting tighter and tighter with it. And Max Payne famously doing so well that literally the entirety of GTA 5 is still based on the movement set from uh, Max, Max Payne, Payne 3. 3. I will just to give uh, just a counteract. They uh, remedy didn't work on Max Payne 3. Fair. Okay. Yeah. But still, <laughs> their basis, um, like some of the idea what of what they built, yeah. was so good that Max Payne three could use it, which was then used for GTA five. Yeah, they took the Max Payne mechanics, they morphed it, they they took them and put it in the Rockstar Rage engine. Yeah. And then they moved that into GTA five. Yeah. Um, but it's still so funny looking at the comparisons between the two of those Max Payne 3's uh, multiplayer and then GTA 5 is like literally one to one, one to exact one animations <laughs> but like still so the fact that that was still able to be done or like if you play a scene from Max Payne 3 in a gunfight and then you play Max Payne 1 and 2 it feels very similar if not the same with like a few added bells and whistles uh, by but the way I'll just have to add Max Payne 3 very underrated I really like that. I game. would say so too. Yeah, and um, it's on next It's one of the last Xbox backwards compatibility games that they added, which was I was so happy for because I had the digital version of that game back in 2013. So it was like, yes, when they did that uh, 20th I, anniversary stream, um, they were like, Max Payne 3 is like, yes, it's the last Rockstar game I was missing to have them all here finally. 
playable modernly. <laughs> so. I just um, wish it was easier to skip the cutscenes for that because yeah, they it's very long-winded. Yes, but um, you can skip them. It's just that it's the game sometimes. is so bad. The way that games flow is like so tied into you going from gameplay to cussing. It's like it's very jarring for you to skip. So that is true. I'll give it that. But I, it's just it's so long that you're gonna be sitting there for like a solid ten plus fifteen plus minutes sometimes, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, fine, I can skip it. And then he's like in the air yeah. at a completely <laughs> different place, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. We had to go to a completely different location for this fight. Mm. Um, man, but gosh the the moments a moment is so fun that i just want to see that again and they like just could not nobody could recreate that as much as they tried in that ps3 and 360 era um during and after but i'm i'm happy for it and i'm cautiously optimistic and like you said there's some concerns about all the stuff that they're working on but like we said this is a concept they just signed the pay uh, signed the letters ink hasn't dried yet so let's just give it five to ten years and eventually yeah that's and here. that's what i'm curious like from the other projects which ones are going to come out first so yeah. we can get an idea which ones we're getting first i would think they would want to prioritize the things that are from their own but they also got rockstar money so what if rockstar gave them so much money be like no you're doing this now because remember take two we're like we're releasing that's where things get really messy though because when they have to put aside things they really want to to do the rockstar stuff that's when you get some uh some frustrated people some ruffled feathers and then they start uh cutting corners and doing things that yeah. don't work out for rockstar let's just say that right now rockstar is coming on the heels of the trilogy remasters so it's not you like gotta the... do something good yes and the, th the thing that they're, these are going to be grounded out remakes is like, and now I know what they mean. We're like, oh yeah, we're, because this is, remember, Rockstar is from Take Two. Take Two is like, we're releasing all this many games until like this certain amount of years. So I wonder if they gave them such a big bag of money to be like, please prioritize this. You know this game, you know Max Payne. You've always wanted to go back to Max Payne, right? And they're like, yeah, sure. Well, we'll do it with our tech. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll play by 2027. Number three, Paul, <laughs> it's a new Ghost Recon in development. Oh boy. According to Kotaku's Ethan Gack, it would appear a new Ghost Recon game in code named Over, which was also part of the NVIDIA leak from last year that oh. keeps on giving, has been in development for over a year and has been planned to be released sometime in fiscal year 2023. This game is a separate project from Ghost Recon Frontline, the massively derided Battle Royale announced at the series' 20th anniversary last year that's said, that's said to be undergoing a massive reset following both the negative pushback of its announcement and a very negative feedback from an internal playtest. Play the existence of this new Ghost Recon game makes sense in lieu of the recent season development for Ghost Recon Breakpoint. The much maligned entry in the series has been limping over the last three years, slowly recovering from a calamitous launch before it became the victim of Ubisoft's ill-conceived NFT initiative. Something that is still being said is creating massive internal strife at the developer. No other details are known about this project. Ghost Recon Breakpoint, Paul, it's still to me like one of the worst games ever released. Um, it's climbed its way slowly into trying to be what it should have been from a from what wildlands was is basically they've reverted so many of the things they added to breakpoint that made it worse to try and make it closer to wildlands that game never escaped its stink despite a use of continuously trying to update it and it almost seemed like it almost seems like the nft thing that happened to that game late last year is what 
pretty much kill that game because I remember hearing that some developers were cry following. It's like we spent almost a year and a half repairing this game's reputation only for Ubisoft to put the stupid NFTs in this game. <laughs> so the fact that they didn't learn their lesson, they still want to put NFTs in their other games. Uh, it's showing exactly what they decided to learn from that lesson. Mm -hmm. Um, I. Ghost Recon has changed as a title so much in the collective conscious, and it makes me really sad because Ghost Recon used to be like the one you took seriously. And Rainbow um, Six, both of them. And Rainbow Six, shoot, um, all of that was so good with like Rainbow Six being a very like focus on the shooter, and uh, Ghost Recon was like very squad. Yeah, combat. so basically they were both two flavors of squad-based shooters. Ghost yeah. Recon was the open-ended world like it was always the the, the squad-based shooter that you had to like do your squad tactics in more open environments rainbow six was close quarters that's how yep. they differentiated both of them so it's... i miss that kind of more tactical style of shooter i'm like the last ghost recon i liked was feature soldier in 2012 wildlands i never really clicked with even though it has some good stuff when you play co-op with it but Once it's like well yeah like Wildlands had those moments, especially like in the reveal trailer and the stuff that is more curated like that mm -hmm. um, was more of the good content. And it was the in-between that it was like, all right, you've kind of done this very climactic mission. Now go out and do that again. But at the same time, it's like unless you put the effort into really making those missions good, you can kind of either cheese it you can just do a very simple process recycled over and over again, which just gets tiring. Um, and man, eh, Breakpoint, my goodness. A game that is just, they've heavily focused on things like John Bernthal in it, only to kill him off in like the first few hours. Um, they making got, it a looter shooter. Making it a looter shooter. Gosh, I can't believe still did that oh. the year they the division 2 came out so they're like let's put another tom clancy game as a looter shooter oh let's put drone enemies with health enemies with health completely going against what ghost recon was about there are raids in breakpoint which yep. is just shocking honestly there's raid gear you can get for beating them it's it's ridiculous anyway that was the um, year point of ubisoft trying to homogenize everything that then when that game completely got demolished critically and commercially they were like we're delaying everything and then in between the delays that's when they fired the guy that homogenized everything so and they're still not learning their lesson exactly. but anyway um i i do want to say a few positive things about breakpoint though because in the feel of the game it's still it just the shooting is really fun the satisfying feeling of getting a headshot in this that game the the feedback even before the ps5 haptic feedback that kind of thud was just so good anyway the squad combat finally adding ai um squad Soldiers, mates mm -hmm. in uh being able to play with your friends still the additions like more weapons more free stuff that they added um the missions that unfortunately were paid expansions but the like um almost said silent hill the <laughs> splinter cell missions the Terminator missions. Wait, did this Splinter Cell also? Because I know Wildlands did Splinter Cell. 
they did more uh splinter cell stuff in that and they gave you like all his sneak suit and the head goggles and so it was like a full thing where you help sam fisher again basically um and then they had more rainbow six stuff where like one of the operators goes a wall and you have to work with some of the others to hunt her down so that was kind of cool to see like lore from siege which mm-hmm. is what i was like really invested in at the time um and it's kind of like what all of those people that play siege were asking for for years which was like a single player experience with these characters that they built up for so many years um and they still haven't really done that but we don't talk about extraction anyway yeah it's um, so it's so sad that they kept get, they kept doing the work for a game that currently has a 56 on Metacritic and a 3.0 user score. So it's like the, that's the big thing this game had. Yeah. That I would have cut loose and just do the next one immediately. And I will say, I'll give them this. They also did a PS5 patch so that game can run at 60. I had been meaning to go back to it just to try it because I know that they tried to do the work. But in 2019, when I got it, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. It was like I put it in my list of worst games of the year. So that's always I, been that game for me. <laughs> I'm still kind of glad I only bought it for 10 bucks because I think if I'd paid any more, I would have been a lot more negative about it. So you understand the fact that? I, yeah, absolutely. I'll I'll say everything that I've said comes with a huge grain of salt. And you play it salt. after that because it came became 10 bucks after they finally started like removing all the things that made it a shit game. So exactly. Um, so yeah, that, that's about it. Breakpoint, long live it. It's dead, but who yeah. knows? We're gonna be uh, getting apparently another Ghost Recon game, and Ubisoft still wants to put NFTs in their games, so they've learned nothing. Yeah. So anyway, and I still like their games. That's a problem. Number uh, four, uh, even with the official death of E3 for 2022, some developers are at least solidifying and unveiling their plans to tell us more about their upcoming slate of games. While we know Ubisoft was planning a showcase around May, THQ Nordic has solidly claimed the date of August 4th, 2022 as the date where they will give us more details about their upcoming lineup of games. Keep in mind, THQ Nordic is part of the Embracer group, which over the last four years has been going around and swallowing so many studios on IP that have been laying dormant or ripe for acquiring to the tune of 60 plus different properties. So it's anyone's guess how any of these projects will be showcased here, or how many of these projects will be showcased here. Whether this presentation will happen by itself or be part of Jeff Keighley's Gamescom plans remains to be seen. Embracer Group is like literally grab everything from Kingdoms of Amalur to Time Splitters to Darksiders, like everything, the Saints Row, everything that's kind of like in the double A, middle A section. Everything's under Embracer Group under the THQ Nordic moniker. So there's no way, Paul, to like, let's watch this and think, what are we going to see from this? There's so many. A new destroy the new destroy all humans, the new SpongeBob game, the new uh a new Amalur. I knew I played something from THQ Nordic. I actually played Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated yeah, as well. Because it's a um, it, you got it from the PS Plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. So fun God game. I, I like that game a lot. It's it was like, and it, it, it was, hits the uh, spot. It hits the spot of something that's shut your brain off, something not too hard, not too easy, just like collect a thon. Sometimes you need those kinds of games to palate cleanse. I agree. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting because THQ Nordic has put some really good work into some of the th- games that used to be great and have been kind of remade, just like with Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated. Um, and then they've also made some questionable games that just weren't really great 
quality and i can't think of any of them specifically off the top of my head but you know so, um, there are so many of them we'll eventually like yeah, circle back there, there's that. a lot of uh bad thq nordic games so in all of this is it just feels like uh white noise to me it's a toss-up and it's like well talk to me when all of this lands and we'll see what we have mark your calendar about. paul it's on august 4th uh... august 4th i i don't think i'm supposed to be up to too much so we can see if we have a, react a hilarious on. reacts to it where we just play destiny in the background like we did for that gran turismo <laughs> it wasn't gran turismo it was the force it was the That's Microsoft stuff yeah the oh gosh which is funny how we ended up enjoying that game even though we were kind of memeing on it at the it, time. Was, it was because it wasn't just forza it was just all the microsoft stuff that it was like repeat from e3 so it's like there's nothing new here and then That's here's true. trebuchets for 30 minutes oh so trebuchet man thinking about mad and we're in witch queen because we had just gotten off from witch queen so finish witch queen and then they were like hey we're gonna talk about age of empires 4 and to show that we're gonna go to this live action segment where we explain how a trebuchet is made yeah <laughs> What? <laughs> Good thing that the very next day you went gardening and, and missed the part of the Jeff Keighley opening night live. You just I... to, uh, Who but, knows? But hey, we, it ended up working out. Yeah, still our most watched episode on YouTube. So shocking, honestly. Yeah. So final story, Paul. We haven't talked about this guy in a while. Maybe just in offhand comments, but they finally said new stuff about it. Maybe not of interest, but probably a little bit for me. If you have been wondering if Halo Infinite would actually deliver some new content considering its status as a live service game, at the very least, the new season seems to seems like it's arriving on schedule. 343 Industries has given some new details about the upcoming season 2 for the game. Titled Lone Wolf, the new season includes new content like the new arena map named Catalyst and another big team map named Breaker. The season also includes two new modes, Last Spartan Standing, which is said to be a preamble to the game's taken Battle Royale which we previously reported here was allegedly being made by longtime studio contributor Cernan and Infinity, and Land Grab, which is said to be a mode akin to classic Halo mode King of the Hill. As for the game's co-op campaign, the mode is still scheduled to release sometime during Season 2, but no date has been given. Originally, it was said that it, on launch of Season 2 was going to be there. They pushed it. Nor any details about any news story stuff have been said. As for Forge, that's still in the docket for Season 3. Probably going to be even later than that. Hi, hello, 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 hello. I um. Let me put it like this. Yeah. Around this time in Halo 3's life cycle, we already had three new maps. It had all the entire modes. There is no need to add more. It's insanity that a game from 2007 can have all that, and you cannot barely put in co-op here. Is it? It's. I've given Halo Infinite as flowers. I like its campaign. You enjoyed it. You don't remember much of it. I love the multiplayer. You didn't play much of it. It hit the spot of something that was quick to play. Quick to play. I didn't have to like commit much, and it gave me the dynamic gameplay that felt so good to play. That felt very true to Halo, and I just wanted more from it because I get bored really quickly. This game only has ten maps, and it's only had ten maps for six months. The, They've had almost nothing outside of trying to fix their own battle pass. Yeah, and um, on top of that, give you more cosmetics, boy. Because yeah, of course, we're gonna have to monetize this fucking thing. Sorry, I'm gonna got to clip that. But <laughs> no, I, it makes me riled up because it, I loved Halo Infinite. It was my fifth it favorite game of this year. It feels more and more like the corpse uh, of something I loved getting puppeted uh, by somebody I hate. 
Mm. Not necessarily in any specific sense, but it's like, this is not what I loved. This is something that is malignant uh, and malevolent trying to come after it using the face of something I love. And uh, I don't appreciate it. And that's why I think I bounced off pretty quickly. Cause like everything about the multiplayer was great. I loved the moment to moment, but there wasn't enough that was kind of keeping me there. There was just this underlying air of, all right, now what? It's mm -hmm. just play the thing again, play the thing again. And I know there's some people that really love that whole style of just keep playing the multiplayer thing over and over again. I mean, you've, it, you've got an industries based on that. Mm -hmm. um, but then with like their campaign almost feeling like an afterthought at times just to fix other stuff and then that was it they have only consistently delayed things that they promised they would bring um it's just not lining up to be what i really hoped out of a halo infinite so it's like come back to me in a year or two when they've finally done all this and that's the problem this was the launch game for the xbox remember they had yep. to push that out after Craig made memes out of memes. <laughs> then, of course, they were like, they tried it for to, from hell to high water to launch this thing last year because of the momentum of the Xbox finally having some games and trying to nail that synergy of like, man, imagine releasing a game that, from the looks of it, is, feels like a spiritual successor to Combat Evolved from visual style and the things that we're trying to aim for. Is the 20th anniversary of both the console and Halo. Let's launch it now. And the thing is that the short-term gain of them trying to launch in such a special time, it's costing them now in long term. The player base for this game, in the at least in the PC side, has plummeted massively to just like around 6K um, concurrence. And for, when it was like triple the size just a month ago, it's like this game just like. It needed more time. It's like I don't understand. This is the thing that I hate about the game passing ecosystem and the live service model, like kind of coming in tandem. This is what releasing games that are not ready gets you, because of the low cost of entry. Here's where you're getting a minimal viable product that is functional, giving it its flowers. I still think this is the best playing Halo that 343 has put out. That is something they they nailed that, and I'm not gonna take that from from them. But it has come at the expense of when you got a Halo game, it was the complete package. And not only that, you knew what to expect, new content, and it was delivered on time. The, the development of this game has just been a trash fire over and over that and now that the their only thing they do. Yes, and it's not even they have the ability to hide behind something like Remedy, who is working on like seven things, where it's like, oh, sorry guys, this is just our off day come back when we make the next control or something but this is all they do mm -hmm. and they still can't keep up with it and you know and, and it's even worse because they're like now this is our live service halo microsoft just lay off the live service dick for one second just like put out games they're like microsoft has been like oh they want more live services than almost all the first parts unfortunately sony's now going down that road and not doing it really well with gran turismo 7 being a completely my a complete microtransaction disaster that they finally fixed recently now it's not a really yeah okay. do you get enough in-game credits that doesn't feel like they're put, nudging you some way but unacceptable that they launched that way which again is the live service problem but it's like it i just can't undermine just the fact that 
I miss when, especially when Halo came out, it was like, Halo was renowned as like, this is the complete package. You get everything here. Call of Duty was eventually became more popular, but for packages, Halo was even, gave you even more for your buck. You don't get four player co-op on, on Call of Duty. You don't get a forge to make your own maps like in Call of Duty. Eventually Halo, they added zombies. It felt so. like a demo for a game that still hasn't come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's again, it's like a promise for, again, it's just a promise. With Microsoft, it's always a promises. They have yeah. so much like, in the ideal world, seeing everything that they're about to swallow, especially because they're still in the midst of the Activision thing, that is seeming still like it's going ahead despite some hurdles. And Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren trying to stonewall it, it's still gonna happen. You should look that up. <laughs> it's like I don't know if I want to, but yeah. did we even fully like acknowledge that the whole settlement thing happened? I, we didn't, but it's like it, one of those losses got settled, but there's still other losses that Activision is still going through. So, and they're still in the middle of going through a regulatory checks. That's why it's still until okay, 2023. So it's like the promise of it's still coming, it's still there. And at this point it's like, I'm just tired of it. I want Xbox to do well. I like what they do. They clown on PlayStation on services and backwards compatibility, especially with the recent uh, Spartacus, what it, that ended up being. But man, like, like now combining with hearing what happened with the initiative, losing a lot of that stuff and basically Crystal Dynamics taking over that while them also announcing they're working on Tomb Raider. So are they actually working fully on the thing that they just got hired to do there to help the initiative? And hearing that on Dead Labs, there was like a recent expose, didn't put it here, there was like some in between last week that um, State of the K3 is still in pre-production. Um, Everwild, the game from Rare that looked really cool, it still doesn't have its concept. It's like, Jesus Christ, this, like, this is what... Promises, like if they came out with not even half of the stuff that they promised that they were making, um, they would probably really put Sony in a bad place. But the fact that they keep promising things and saying all the cool stuff and uh, buying out all of the competitions mm. only to still not come out with anything. And the few that do are like Halo Infinite out here, mm. uh, where a game that I used, I was championing when it came out. And then after I finished, I went, oh, wait, that's it? Mm. Um, is like, where is it going wrong? Where is this money that Microsoft has? Mm -hmm. Where is that going into all of these problems? And I hate like uh, because people can be like, oh, you're a Sony fan, but it's all about it. just look at the proof. Look at the proof of games out. Yes, Xbox school PlayStation last year in the later half for having a lineup ready when PlayStation were like, yeah, here's Keen. I see you later because we got Call of Duty. So it's like. But here's the proof. It's like just people just lay off with the live service. It's like just let it go. It's clear. Not everyone can sustain that. Because it's even more embarrassing. Them calling Halo Infinite a live service means we're going to give you more stuff more often. That's why a live service is instead of just a DLC pack you get two or three months down the line because it's DLC. It's a that's that's the problem of doing live services. That just is, and I just hate that. Um, especially when finally fe it felt that Halo could finally be more popular again because they finally got one that got as close as possible to the heyday. Yep. Because Halo Four and Five were good, but they're not the thing. Is like yeah, this is just eh. not not games that you really think about much. And even now, Halo Infinite is kind of falling in there because now the the whole. Not being able to replay campaign missions still. That's still something that they said they were going to patch. Right. 
The only way to replay that game is to replay the whole open world again. And it's an open world that, especially in lieu of the new open worlds we got, and it puts it on blast. It's like, yeah, this is not like up to par to what you would expect from like an Elden Ring and even a Horizon, like in an open world environment. Cool, they made Halo work an open world, especially with the grappling hook. That was so fun to move around. They made it so cool, but it was. the no biome diversity, even some of the new maps, the, the, the two maps that they add, they're going to add. They don't look that different from the other two maps. It's like, add some snow for Christ's sake. <laughs> add some <It's>... snow. <laughs> so... Do anything, please. <laughs> yes, just do anything. Just oh, get it right. Okay. Microsoft, please get it right. I want you to like, you're putting the screws to the other ones. You're doing a lot of things right, but you're missing the, you're running the score. Like you're basically a, a sports team that knows how to run the ball and you're failing to like score. Like in the things that matter. Obviously, like all their services are helping. People like they're cutting the they're cutting the distance because obviously all those per consumer moves eventually are gonna like make an effect and having Xbox Series S so widely available makes it yeah. so much easier. But just finally like nail that final part, especially because they have the amount of games they're gonna have. They have um, they're gonna have a variety that PlayStation doesn't have right now. They PlayStation do do their kind of games so so well. Yeah. But we need the other side to show them we can do all the variety of games and do them as well as Sony does their one game. Then there's like no contest. It's like, and they, they give you those games for free. That's why I mentioned it when we talked about Spartacus. It's like, I will be a full believer that the Game Pass model is like the way to go for like everyone if we get quality games on the level of the ones we get over on Sony. That's when I eat my words. So far, seeing all this mess, I'm like, I'm still being proven. And there's a reason why it's some PlayStation loyalists remain there despite all Microsoft is trying to do to bring people over to that side. They're doing it not with the games, but with the pro-consumer. Hey, go, come play here for a dollar. So, And now they're talking about raising the price, by the way. Oh, well, man. Yes, yeah, really. so, uh, raising I the mean, price of Game already, Pass. it's um, what is it, at like 16 it's 15. and change? It's 15. It, it's 16 and change if you have a, if you're in a state that, char that charges tax. If you're not oh, in a state that charges tax, it's 14.99 a Got month it. which is a good value uh, but they say that after the activation deal goes through that's when they're going to raise the price which of course yeah because i mean it. they're going to put everything that activision probably does. did mm -hmm. just on there uh I, I don't know if i have anything left in me to even talk about halo after this i uh i wanted <laughs> yeah, to play that at least I we have the show yes <laughs> they do have mlb the show <laughs> no, I mean literally the Halo show. <laughs> yeah, I mean the third um, episode was good, but my God, there's there's some heresy happening in the Halo TV series. Uh, but we leave it at that. Halo, please be better. I need it to be better. You had the potential, and now all the trying to get to that anniversary is costing you now. So, Paul, we ended on the downbeat there, but that's it for the show. But hey, they announced Kingdom Hearts 4, guys. Don't forget, that happened like an hour ago. Yes. <laughs> so, Paul, where can people find you? As always, y'all can find me at Dork of Art on Twitter. Um, I've got new art going up there lately because all of my art is getting put into that game that's coming out at the end of the month. But I have a trailer and a Steam page now. Go check that out. It's called Sea of Choices. It's rough. It's PS1, but it is really good music and i'll write everything else yeah the art works i've seen the trailer i tested oh, I fall it. i was like 
Yeah, I can see like where you because you gave me the warning about like the in-game graphics. Like I can see that, but at the very least, there's like text that also has the art there. And I was like, yeah. If only this could this could have been uh, pixel art in its entirety, I, but it's, it was gonna take him much more longer to do. We're it. actually doing some work right now with somebody um, who's a friend of ours doing uh, 3D art in Blender to mm -hmm. redo a lot of like the skyboxes and the texture work. Mm -hmm. So it's apparently gonna look a lot nicer um, because he <laughs> was like brute forcing a lot of it, and he is not a 3D guy. So we had somebody that's actually working on that um, to make it look cleaner because i was like buddy we need uh we need a little bit more refinement out of this mm -hmm. yeah so you yeah, live that's... in a world where you can get downvoted really quickly for something that doesn't look up to yeah. par so however i have learned from uh first experience that his uh passion is infectious and if you listen to his music while you're going through the world you can almost forget a lot of the problems because you just start feeling like a 10 year old playing a ps1 game again and i was like all right i can i can understand why there's enough people that are like sold on this uh even as somebody who's a little bit more jaded as myself in this industry right now so mr hiccups himself where yeah. can they find you at a underscore drosegobi on twitter at all hundred segobi 93 on <laughs> instagram and at the critical corner.com which is past 30k views I Easily. heard, and congratulations, my dude. You now are I have to them. now I have to clean the previous articles to get AdSense working because I have viewership now. God damn it, with this hiccups. <laughs> I mean, you got like eighty something concurrent people from just like one day, and mm -hmm. then like every week is like three or four hundred hits. And I'm not even promoting, so it's like it's doing something right. <laughs> You're doing something right. I'm curious to see the breakdown of that in the future, but um, yeah, again, congratulations for all that. Yeah, so that's it for the show, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Enjoy everyone your Easter. Dang it, your <laughs> Easter. <laughs> Enjoy your Easter week, everyone. If you have vacation or just Good Friday, and Paul, have fun moving, moving your stuff. And people, this is the X button. Remember, like, subscribe. Enjoy the hiccups. And remember, people, press X to play. Good night, everybody. Adios. <laughs>